0: Hey, fitness fans, Jay here. Thanks for joining us for our second episode of the 2021 season. Today's episode, we are talking about preparation with some great insight from our team here. Whether you have a young athlete at home or a gym goer or dare I even say it, even a runner, we have some great tips for you in this podcast. We are so excited to be working with DB Audiovisual and Electric. How excited you ask? Well, let me tell you. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by DB Audio Visual and Electric, a home theater master builder. Did the pressures of last year make you like your loved one a little bit less? Possibly you need a super sexy man cave to rekindle those flames or ignore your spouse entirely. We don't care. We build man caves. Man caves for men. Man caves for women. Man caves for babies if you're ridiculously wealthy. From rough end to completion, we are a one-stop man cave shop. Now... Fitness Geeks Assemble, this episode starts right now. Okay, well, welcome everybody to episode two of 2021 of the Fitness Geek Collective. I'm Jay and I'm joined with my fabulous two co-hosts. Sean, Deanne, how are you?
1: Good morning. Hi. I'm
0: good. I'm good. So today's episode, we when we're kind of talking about this in our production meeting, and I've had a, little, a few more thoughts over it in the last week here, and I think the kind of way to to, to kick this off is with a woohoo. You want a woohoo? Yeah, let's do a woohoo first. Woohoo! Ooh. Woohoo!
2: woo-hoo. I think mine was better than both of yours, so I know it actually was. Mine was there kind
0: of great. Ron would be so <laughs> proud of you. Um, so I want to talk. we the the theme or the mantra of this episode because we we kind of started by talking about specifically certain things and certain ways to be prepared, but thinking of this as an overall fitness and life thing is preparation, mm-hmm. right? So. Sean and I come from a from a sales background, and I know myself. You know, when I'm I'm going to go and make a presentation in a boardroom, or I'm going to go speak to a particular client. There's a certain steps and and things that I do to prepare for that. So a lot, what I think that we're going to talk about today is is that well, should shouldn't people, whether they play uh, a hobby, some kind of hobby sport, or they're a professional athlete. Amateur athlete, whatever. What are what are what should they be doing to prepare themselves to do that? Does that make sense? Yep. Yep, hundred percent. So, Sean, let's start with you. What are what kind of stuff do you do mentally, physically, and stuff to prepare you to just to say even to do like a basic workout or train or. And, and then let's follow into how you how you really prepare for for an, for an ultra run day of give give us the whole lowdown
2: okay um, one thing you, you, you triggered in my memory when you were talking about sales is before I go into a presentation Metallica in the car on the way there very loud and um, and I don't normally listen to heavy metal, or hard rock, depend whatever, I don't want to get into that debate, but uh, uh, any other time. But going into a meeting, I need to be really amped up. And as you know, I'm not a very high-energy person. I'm pretty low-key. So I need that to get myself uh, juiced up. Now, as far as ultra running goes, um, and I think anything athletic for me, I think you have to get your head right before you do anything. And what I mean by that is ask yourself the very hard question. Why the hell am I doing this? And be honest with yourself. Is it health? Is it, is it uh, cosmetic? Is it, I mean, what is it that you're the reason why? Like it was very easy for me. I have MS. I got to run. Otherwise I'm going to end up in a wheelchair. <laughs> it's pretty simple for me to find motivation, but for somebody else, I think that's a, that's a, that's a key thing is getting your head right now in terms of preparing like my, if I go for my daily run, this is my prep. This is my prep two cups of tea before I go. I like to have a little bit of caffeine in my system, but not a ton. I find if it's like too high, I can't maintain a a, a decent pace. I find that I run too fast and then I can't do my distance because I'm not maintaining the pace. I need to be able to do that distance. So caffeine just a little bit of caffeine. I find helps. Um, I roll my IT bands. Because for me, it, my especially on my right side, it pulls my it pulls my kneecap out. If I don't, I have really tight IT bands. Obviously, and then I stretch my legs, and you know, I do that whole routine. Uh, as far as preparing for an ultra goes, um, there's no real other way to put it. It's just a lot of time. It's a lot of time training. It's a lot of running, and then it's a lot of learning how to run on tired legs. So, you know, you. The routine I follow when I'm training for an ultra, which I'm not right now, thankfully, um, is 7K on Tuesday, 10K on Wednesday, 7K on Thursday, 21 on Saturday, 40 on Sunday. Wow. Um, And I, you know, and I do that um, for about three months prior to, well, three, four months before, but I'm doing it. But that, that last month, I'm tapering. So I'm doing a very short distance and letting my body heal. Because you don't want to be sore the day up, right? I never run the, a full ultra during training. You never, like I, The furthest I'll go is about 50 if I try a long distance. Um, and then the, the day of an ultra or the night before, uh, I like to have usually, what did I have last year? Oh, I had a nice pee, I had a nice steak and some veggies the night before. Uh easy on the carbs for me. I carbs for with me just seem to like if, passing that just seems to gum my stomach up. So it's I'm different that way. Everybody has their own, right? Um, and so I oh yeah, it was steak, broccoli, and sweet potatoes last year is what I ate the night before. And then the other preparation for an ultra is deciding on like you kind of have to plan it so if you know your Averaged out over a day. This is gonna sound slow, but you gotta understand it's your pace averaged out over a day. So over like a 14-hour run, my average pace might be over the day, eight minutes a kilometer, right? Which sounds really slow. But you think when I'm running, I'm running at about five, five fifty day of. But then I I walk I walk portions, right? So that's part of the pacing. So it's learning how to figure, okay. So of my average pace is eight minutes a click, and I'm gonna rest here, 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 and here. And what do i need to have at those rest stops right because i have to eat while i'm running so i've found that and this is i know a lot of people kind of looked at me sideways when i told them this but one of my favorite things to have the day of is a cold can of chicken noodle soup Hmm. at a stop it's got a lot of salt in it which you need it's got a little bit of protein a little bit of carbs and a little bit of sugar and it's not really big pieces of chicken or pasta so it, it, it doesn't sit in and I won't drink the whole thing. I might have half, throw a bit, a bit in half in a container. And then when somebody who's supporting me the day, out will bring it to me at the next stop and I'll fire it back and then figuring out what kind of food. And so as you're running during the day, I was on a schedule last year where every half hour I was either taking something to eat or I was drinking something with electrolytes in it. So it's learning how to do all those little things. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so uh, the, the
2: very first time I run through my marathon, I almost died. So. Right, yeah.
0: So you've learned over the course of the last few times that you've done this, and you've yeah. improved your preparation pattern, but you've keeping that as conscious in the front of your mind saying, look, I need to be prepared mentally and physically for that activity. And as you've progressed with it, you've gotten better and better to get that routine down, right? That's awesome. Yeah, so
2: as an example, the very first one I ever did in 2015, the day of I lost... Twenty-five pounds,
1: the day of.
2: Yeah, wow. I was in rough shape. Um, it didn't. It didn't. It didn't go well. um This very, the second one I did when I figured up the nutrition part, I lost like three or four pounds, which wow, would have been normal, not much of right? a difference. So it's a huge difference. So the mm-hmm. preparation is a big, big, big thing. Yeah.
1: So was it twenty-five pound? Like, was it like water because you were sweating? So you were losing like your water weight, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't yeah. The, the the biggest thing I was doing wrong the first year is, you know, the when you go into like the running room or something and they have those gummies. Yeah. They market to runners. Yeah. Well, I was firing those back all day, but I wasn't taking drinking it near enough water.
1: Oh, OK. Yeah.
2: And, I, and it just I found that those gummies and stuff aren't so good for me. And I found that actually using natural, more regular food is better for me than yeah I've, the I've, the soup
1: came I've used those gummies before and they're all they gave like not to diss them but for me they gave me the worst stomach ache like it like my stomach i don't know what's mm. necessarily in there but my stomach like would cramp like i yeah i can't i can't do those gummies but you know good. what i
2: found is a really good replacement for those maple syrup
1: really yeah so, so, just this, chug some syrup.
0: This also speaks to, um, in, in, the, in the nutrition world, when we start with like the fundamentals of, of nutrition, is that whole foods, less processed foods, mm-hmm. are better for you in general than stuff that's processed, i.e., protein shakes, uh, dietary supplements. They're always yeah. to be considered as supplements, and the reason they say that is because. You should still be having eating as much whole food, little processed as possible foods. Even in your sugars, in your sugars, fats, everything like that should be coming from the least processed. Um, so it's right. interesting to actually see that in in motion when you're talking, Sean, about you're finding that all the you know some of the um, you know there's there's so many products out there in the supplement world, but a lot of it, it, it you when you're when you're doing such a such an a strenuous thing in your body, you're realizing that those less processed foods are actually you're being far more successful with those. So that's really, right. you brought that up. So,
2: you know, even something I discovered that is, you know, people would imagine automatically assume that I should be drinking Gatorade all day. Right. I'll tell you right here. And I'll tell all the listeners, I won't touch that. I can't swear. Okay. Well, I'm allowed to swear. Cause there's a cool effect. I won't touch that with a 10 foot pole. <laughs> And the reason why is it's full of corn syrup. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Right. And you see, and and one of the things that drives me bats and Deanna, I think you can probably relate to this is when you go to an arena where kids are playing hockey Yeah. and they've all got their little bottles of this and it's like, you know what parents buy a. if you're that worried about an eight year old's electrolytes, which you shouldn't be anyway. Exactly. Right. (laughs) But if you're that worried about it, go down to Western cycle or one of the places that have it and you just buy yourself a big draw. And I have them. And every time I go on the long run, I take a few with me. They're just salt tablets. They look like a vitamin. Yeah. And they've got all the salts that you sweat out in them. And about every half hour you take one. Yeah. And you don't have to worry about all the other garbage that they put in these drinks. So.
1: Well, I remember it was years ago and I think it was Turner, my oldest. And I actually like looked at the Gatorade bottle and like the amount of Sugar that it, it's crazy, like crazy. I'm like, why am I giving my child? You know, like why am I giving this to my child? And so we don't do Gatorade. Like sometimes we'll do G2 because it has like less sugar, but we just give them water bottle and they love BioSteel. And so it's a little it's still processed, but it's I can control the amount that goes into their bottle. Mm-hmm. And so you know how it comes in those little pouches. They'll each get a half mixed in with their water. Like if they really want something extra, but
0: yeah, it was gross. The amount of sugar that was it, in there. It's amazing because, and some people don't even know this, but do you know that there is more sugar in a glass of orange juice than there is of a Coca-Cola? Yeah, yeah, I know. And we're shoving juice down kids throats, saying that this is good for you.
1: Yeah, I know. I, I know. It, right? And my boys, like, especially my oldest, he's very aware like he wants to be healthy. He works out. So he, he reads labels now. Like, and he knows like, Oh, is this good for me? I shouldn't have this. And, and they're still kids. So yes, I'm like, I let them have treats here and there or whatever. Cause they're still children, but he's very aware of what he puts in his ball, but in his that's, body.
0: That's a great segue, Sean. Thanks for all that insight with that mm-hmm. from the ultra running, but for Deanna, I wanted to ask you first before okay. we get into the stuff that you do, um, your boys are are very involved in hockey and I do know that they play at a pretty, pretty high level for them. Yeah. yeah. What did they do? What could they could, what what kind of insight could you send to some of the parents that are listening out there for their kids that, you know, want to take their, that the kids that want to be in competitive and want to take it up to another level, what do your boys do to prepare for games and prepare for the season? Do you want to just kind of. Oh, sure. A little bit. Yeah. So
1: my husband, Brody and I, we've, we've had this not debate, but this, just realization through the years with our children. So Ozzy is, so he's our youngest. He was fortunate to make fortunate enough to make the brick tournament a couple of years ago. So he's a very, very talented little hockey player. And so he, he has like the natural gift, the natural talent and Turner, like he's also very good, but he has the drive more the passion. And so We look at it all the time. It's like, wonder what is going like, what's going to go further, the natural talent or the passion. And not that Ozzy doesn't have the passion for like he does, but Turner started off like as a weaker hockey player every year. He's gotten higher and higher and higher. And that is all him. Like this year, Unfortunately, he can't play at 10 because of COVID, but he made Bantam AAA and there's one, only one team in St. Albert and he made Bantam triple. And that was like last, that, that was his goal. Like, so he, he, I, we don't even have to, there's like some parents joke, like, what are you guys doing to your kids? Do you, like do boot camp, whatever? And I'm like, no, they, they do their own stuff. So he prepares, like he works out every day. He, he cooks for himself he worked like he he has he goes to bed early, gets up in the morning to work out. And when it was game days, like he had a routine that he <laughs> it's kind of gross, but he takes his pre game <laughs> pre-game poo. He does like and it has to be in order. Then he has a shower, then he eats his pasta, and then he has to put his headphones on and he is in the zone. He gets they have to get dressed up before games. So he gets dressed up. Dad has to take him to the games, not me. Like he has his
0: It's so funny is, as hockey players.
1: Yeah, and they're, they're kind of crazy.
0: So creatures of habit. Oh my gosh. Me, oh my I, gosh. Feel, I feel if I don't put my if I I uh, always put my right skate on before my left skate and if I feel I don't do that yeah. it's just like Yeah,
1: yeah. he is uh, and they're both that way like they have their certain playlist they have to do. Like they yeah, it's quite funny. So he so yeah, so like I was saying before, it's like the natural talent or the drive. So it's interesting to we're just going to see through the years as they get older if it equals out or if one passes the other. And, but yeah, he is very, very passionate and same with Ozzy. Like they, his little preparation thing too, like he has his music, he has to play his supper that we have to make him, And yeah, so it's, it's actually really cool. So how old is Turner? Turner is 14. He'll be yeah, 14 and a half. He'll be 15 in August. And Ozzy is is 11. He'll be 12 March. Your birthday, Jay, March 18th. That's right. We do share. Yeah, you guys share the same birthday. So yeah, he'll be he'll be 12 on March 18th.
0: Yep. Um I might be I'm a few years older than that, but just
1: a uh, bit. <laughs> just a, not, just not, a bit. Not older.
0: too many, but 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 a few. Um Just a few. So do you do you think though that with with your youngest First of all, it's Turner has has the intangibles of what people what people look for especially in athletes mm-hmm. is passion drives everything. Yeah. You can you can always develop your skills over the years, but if you don't have that one, that's yeah. essentially the key, right? Yeah. But it's interesting though, but Aussie being 11, 11-year-olds 11 I I could see that the nice thing is, is that he has a natural set of talent. So if if for Mm -hmm. him, if he decided to be like, Oh, this is what I really, really, really want to do. And I think that then he's he would be a deadly that would be a deadly combination, right? But if there's still lots of time for him to develop his passions and find out he might. I've heard of some kids that end up, and you hear of professional athletes that they played, you know, baseball their entire life or basketball or something yes. like that, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Oh no, I want to do this sport." Of course, Gretzky yes. yeah. actually said in, one, in an interview more than one time that baseball is actually his favorite sport. He would love to play baseball. Wayne Gretzky, in his in his autobiographies, he talked about how how badly. And so it's and it's quite interesting. One of his sons actually went pretty far in in the MLB. Okay, they took their path. So athletes are athletes at the end of the day. So
1: yeah, and and is- we noticed that with both our kids. Like they're really good golfers. They are really good in bad. So who like, who knows? The world is their oyster. So who who knows? Like they're both naturally athletic, which is
0: yeah, That's- it's pretty that's another thing too, that I talked to with a lot of parents. So we work with several, with several athletes is that c- cross training is very, very important for, okay. for athletes that want to develop skills. And I attended this seminar about this actually. And one of the big conversations was, is that everything about human movement is about, especially with sports um, with those quick, active, explosive, explosive movements getting your body to move in different directions in different ways that it's not used to. So there's a total different movement power to playing basketball versus hockey. So right. when you're playing basketball, you're actually training your body to be used to. So where, where do injuries happen in sports? Well, injuries generally happen in sports. When your body does something, it's not ready or prepared to do. That's essentially when an injury happens mainly like you, you know, mm-hmm. like there's some of the horrific stuff out there, but I'm saying, usually it's, you are checked you know, in hockey, you are checked an awkward way and you twisted, you went left instead of right. And, you know, your ankle went left instead of right, all these things. Right. Like that. So they found, and there's studies on this, that uh, doing, cr- doing cross-training, playing in different sports, different movement patterns really helps in all the sports all around. So it kind of covers the whole thing. So
1: mm-hmm. I told, yeah, I a hundred percent agree. And we, like, they have um, peers and like other players and stuff that do hockey all year wrong, all year long like ton of camps in the summer and we are like, you have one camp and they usually do a camp cause I put on a camp. So of course they have to do my camp and then they do another hockey one right before tryouts. But through the summer, we just let them be kids. Like it's summertime. So they golf, they play basketball, like on our front street, like, we don't put them just in hockey related things the whole entire year. Like they need a break from
0: it. Like that's good insight. And you guys can speak from that, from the, that experience as well. Right. And that's something that, you know, parents, I, I, and I do, I do hear from a lot of parents They get really wrapped around the idea, you know, well, my kid really wants to do hockey. So that's, it's got to be hockey through the whole year. Right. It's yeah. Consider it's like, that's why the dry landing, dry land training and stuff like that, um, mm-hmm which uh, you will get into a little bit more as we dive into this, Deanne, but um, doing, doing dry land training, just getting in different movement patterns, strengthening different muscles, things like that is, is, is actually far more important in off season. If you look at any athletic programs, there's a, I have a total different program for an in season athlete than I do an off season athlete. Right. Yep. hundred percent. Totally different reps ranges. They're totally different exercises in some cases, different tempos, different rest periods. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's entirely different. Right. So with that in mind, Dan as well, I wonder if you could also talk about, cause you were also a super track star back in the day. <laughs> So, Stop. <laughs> so I would, I would love to hear and I'm sure our audience would love to hear about um, your preparation for a track meet in my very brief uh, <laughs> track experience. I, uh, I, I was always relegated. I think I got out of track because I was always relegated to run the 400 meter. And I think, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's where they just put the people that just, they're like, yeah, whatever here, go run this.
1: Yeah, but yeah, that's a four hundreds and intense because it's still a sprint, but I it's a,
0: hated it. It's I, a
1: long, long sprint, but it's still considered a sprint. Um, so yeah, that was a long time ago when I was a sprinter, but my main preparation. So we train like I went away to school. We train every day and weekends were our track meets. So as far as preparation for the training part, I didn't really prepare for that because I like my training was my preparation. But for me, I had like, I I was in my head a lot. So I would have to do the day of the night before I would do like visualization. And that was what I had to do. Like I actually would have to lay and our coach did it with us too. Like lay, lay on the ground. eyes shut, like in this Shavasana yoga position. And I would go over and over and over again in my head of that race. So, and it's funny because like even, so for example, it'd be at 200 meters. And so I would go through the race and in my own brain, sometimes I wouldn't win. And I'm like, oh my God. So I would just lay there and lay there until I visualize myself win, winning that race. And I would do that the next day at the track meet. Like we had it, like we'd warm up an hour before the race. And the last thing I did was lay on the grass or wherever I was, shut my eyes and visualize until I won the race, nice and yeah. And sometimes, yeah, I didn't win the race, and that's fine. But like mentally, I for me, I had I had to do that. Like I, I really had to visualize the actual race that I was doing.
2: When I do ultras, so I picture I've always and this is even when I'm running, I'm visualizing the the end. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: And I have some, yeah. so I I've seen some goalies, um, especially some of the higher end goalies, especially will we'll kind of sit there. Some of them will even go to like to the rink and just stand there and just kind of visualize and you can even see them. Some of them will be picturing, picturing all the Mm -hmm. saves. They're going to do things like that. I know some hockey players in in like, especially in the higher, try to visualize, you know, think about all the stuff they're going to do and things like that. So,
1: yeah. And it's, it's, it worked for me and I think it's very, very important because it's not all about the physical. Yeah. I remember one race where I let the girls like these other girls, I let them beat me. Like as I was running and then 200 meters, that was, that was my race. Like that, I love the 200 meters, but I remember coming around the curve and I could just hear them. And then in my head, I'm like, they're going to beat me. They're going to beat me. And I, I almost remember slowing down because in my head already in my head, I already lost. So I'm like, well, whatever, might as well let them have it. Yeah. And like, after I'm like, Oh my God, like I let my, my brain, get like I, my brain took over my physical and i'm just like oh okay go ahead it's your race
2: well yeah so. i have to ask you a question and because i've always been curious i've been curious about this for like 15 years or however long it's been since it happened do you remember okay. when donovan bailey was the man yeah right and our american friends couldn't handle the fact that canadian was the fastest man on the planet <laughs> so they started saying well it's not low it's not the 100 meter anymore now it's Michael Johnson in the 200 meter. He's the <laughs> fastest man because we don't really have a good hundred meter guy right now, which was right. so annoying. Yeah. It's like, it's been the hundred meter guy has been the guy since the beginning of time. Yeah. right. And then they had that race at Skydome where it wasn't 200. It wasn't 100. It was 150 Oh and yes. And then right when Michael Johnson realized that Donovan Bailey was blown by him, he's like, Oh, my hamstring. Yeah. Yep. Now, sorry, I kind of went on a tangent there, but the question I want to ask you, how different is running a 100 versus a 200 and how would that affect your preparation?
1: Oh, it's huge. I was not the best 100-meter runner. I was more of a... Because I have a very... What's the um, difference, though? It's a lot. Like, it's a 100-meter difference.
2: (laughs) But, okay... Like a (laughs) guy's chasing me with a gun... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I'm running a hundred, I don't get to a hundred meters and go, okay, I'm going to change my style. Now we're going into two, you know what I mean? That's what I'm trying to understand.
1: Yeah. No, it's cause like, so if you think of an outdoor track, right. Yeah. 100 meter is straight. Yeah. All you have to worry about is just you get out of your blocks and you just go straight A 200 meter. When you first start off, you start on a curve. And so we train, like I remember training, like just doing that first 20 meters hug the, hug the lane and like be on the closer inside, but without stepping over and you're accelerating, like it's huge. And then you have to, cause I'm getting all excited about it. I mistrust Okay. It. <laughs> yeah. So you're
2: really, you're really getting physical about this.
1: I totally am. Yeah. But yeah, so you like hug that, the hug, that curve, and then you explode coming off that curve. So it's like a totally different preparation or training to run, to train for a hundred over. it's, it's huge. It's huge. And 200 meters—that was my jam. Like I love the like the, the 200 meters. Love,
2: so love, people, love. People who can run that curve better have the advantage. Yep.
1: That yeah, 100%. yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, because you're losing. Like, so just imagine the lane, okay? So you're you're running. So if you're on the more of the top of the lane,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you you're adding maybe I don't know how many steps. You're adding more steps. You're doing more work than when you hug. Like you want to get as tight on that curve without touching the line and then explode coming out of that, yeah, it's huge.
0: This portion of the podcast is brought to you by Jay Fitness and Training. As a personal trainer, Jay's focus on helping you to achieve your fitness goals through his inclusive online and in-person training programs. His comprehensive health and fitness program will give you the results you are looking for. Reach him today at Jay fitness Training on Facebook and Instagram or Training at gmail.com. Please use promo code fitgeekpod for a free virtual session. Now it's time. So for me, I wanted to, <laughs> the biggest reason I wanted to talk about preparation today from the stuff that I would contribute to this conversation would be, um, I recently had an epi- epiphany about how I train clients. Mm-hmm. And so I'll tell you how I used to train clients. So I used to train clients where I thought that I just had to basically kick their ass for an hour, run them through everything. Cause you know, that way they just feel the most, get the most everything like that. And now I've been tweaking it down to this particular format, and I've been doing this new format with all my clients, whether they're athletes or housewives or anything. And the results have just been incredible. So I was figuring to share that with you guys today. It you could be an
1: mind. athlete and a housewife.
0: Just just say. Absolutely. <laughs> all my house and all my housewife clients are beasts now. They just they, they are athletes in my mind. So, um, so what I do now is so I have it I have a pretty much as a, as a set format. So I do a quick four or five minute uh, warm up with them, just to get get the blood pumping, everything like that. Then I go into so if if I'm looking at doing it's going to be an upper body or a lower body or total body. We'll look at doing some releases based on some of the postural assessments that I've done with them. Or certain areas that they're having difficulties. So when I say releases, so an example, so say we're doing a lower body and Sean's coming in. So we would do a a lower body, um, a lower body, or like an IT band release with him. Right. And then we would look at doing so we would do some releases. Then we would do some actual uh, mobilization. So an example with, we'll use that example, Sean, with the ITs, is that then we would w- work, work towards like a hip mobilization exercise. And then from that point, I would do what we call activations, where so we would get the glutes firing. So we would do some, uh, a circuit exercise of getting the glutes going, getting some other, maybe your tibialis anteriors as well, getting some different muscles that are generally inactive, operational, and through that, so this would actually take to the course of it. Then I essentially do uh, an intense 20-minute workout from that point. Mm. And from there, so now they are prepared to do that, to do that workout. And so the feedback that I start to get about this is that, oh, well, recovery is better. The overall performance of the 20-minute workout, and I get far more out of them than having it being a 45 to an hour of just go, go, go. And at the same time, I'm also doing postural correction for them. So their overall day-to-day lives, I have a lot of office workers. So a lot of them, they're leaned over all the time. So we're starting. So I'm actually doing a little bit of work with that as well. So I found the the point of this whole thing is that I found that doing more actual preparation with them within the session gives them the better results for that hour and I was thinking the microcosms of what that actually means in the day-to-day lives because a lot of them will say geez well I'm, they're they're actually when they leave here they're actually walking they're walking better they're feeling better and they've just had a big workout as well so it's kind of doing a, a total package thing. but you know how fit, the fitness is always a moving target right so um there's no one set way to do it but this is how what I found in this new way and I'm pretty excited about the results I've had with
2: yeah that's amazing that makes sense, Jake. Do so you remember when we were talking, we had our pre-podcast meeting last week and I was really tr- like struggling to wrap my head around what I was supposed to talk about? Yeah. Preparation. And you guys were like, why isn't he getting this? I didn't think you. And you guys knew I was slow, but you didn't think I was that slow. Right? <laughs> and what it was, and, and you just perfectly encapsulated what you just said. There's so many things I do that I just take for granted that I don't think about in terms of preparation. And until you put it in my head and I actually have to think about it, I'm like, oh, I guess I do prepare, but I don't think of it as preparing. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I
2: think for somebody who would go to a trainer, um, not everyone, because some of them are athletes, but I'm talking about somebody who's going to a trainer because they're just trying to get active. Yeah. They may not, they
0: probably don't have that toolkit. Yeah. To just, you know. Number one thing about a personal trainer is uh, where I've had success is forgot that everybody else that I'm the people, my clients that are coming to me, I know more about this fitness thing than they do and stuff that you think about. You don't realize, you don't realize that you just take some things into consideration about like, Oh yeah, no, it's good to get the heart going before you exercise and jump right into something. It's, it's not a good idea just to, I've had clients that they come in and the first thing they do is stretch. And I'm like, it's essentially like running a diesel engine in the middle of minus 40 degree winter and trying to like jam on the gas pedal as soon as you go yeah. out the door, right? That's essentially what you're doing when you're doing static stretching without doing any kind of warm up. That's essentially what you're doing. To your body is going from zero to a hundred with nothing, right? And when you turn on the ignition, obviously it doesn't work as well, right? So these are mm-hmm. things you don't realize that people don't know until you just like, Hey, this is a thing. <laughs> so. Exactly. Exactly. So great. So uh, in in this was a great conversation, guys. Um, I, I think a lot of insight for some people on a whole bunch of different fronts. So I think we uh, achieved what we were going for. So anything? anybody yeah. else have anything to add on this before we wrap?
2: The only thing yeah. I would say to anyone who's starting out, um, get your head right before you start and also set a goal. Yes. yes. Set a goal. Goals. Yes. Not any goal, a specific goal. Yeah. <laughs> like for example, last summer, I wanted to make sure when I was running, not well, two summers, well, sometime in the last couple of years, I can't remember <laughs> when I started doing it. I got it in my head. I'm like, I got to be able to run consistently under six minutes a kilometer. So now I've got it where normally when I'm running, Jay, you've run with me, like I run between 530 and about 550. Next summer, I'm setting the goal. I want to be able to run in the fours. And I don't now. care if it's four fifty nine. If it's in the if there's a four at the beginning, it counts.
1: Okay. Oh, Sean, is this for an ultra? You want to stay in the fours? No, just when I'm training. It's just oh, get, okay. I was like,
2: holy I, crap. No, it's, it's just to get my pace up because when I started running, my pace is naturally very slow. Right. I really have to think about it until it becomes normal. And now gotcha. my pace is in the fives. I yes. like my normal pace in the four. So when I when I dial it back when I'm running a long distance, I don't know. It just it's, I, just, I see what you're saying. I, know I what you mean. Need
0: to clarify for our audience. I didn't run with you, Sean. I was trying not to die. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was my main focus. I, I imagine I, my legs were moving, but at some points I was just like, I just don't want to die right now. <laughs> no,
2: <laughs> sorry, I have one more thing I want to say to people, and don't set yourself up to fail. No, no. One of the things I can't stand, because people say to me, well, Sean, I can't run. I'm just not a runner. If there was a bear across the street, are you a runner? You're yeah, a runner. Exactly. Well then you're-, yeah, you're not
1: you're not walking across the street. Sorry. Yeah, There's like
0: a- we can all agree that mental preparation is just as important as physical oh, preparation. If
1: mm-hmm. not more, but yes, I, I totally agree with that.
0: Yeah. Great. Guys, Deanne, Sean, thanks so much again for this episode um we got some a really interesting topic coming for the next one which we'll allude to later and maybe on the socials and stuff like that so um i'm
2: so you're gonna do it on social media so you let me know about it next week at the week at the the pre-meeting yeah
0: (laughs) we'll we'll review i sent you guys an email for the stuff this is going to be some crazy stuff we're going to talk about so are there aliens involved jay There could be, I might, we we could throw, we could throw some aliens in there for you. I just want. No, if
1: there's aliens, I'm not coming. Aliens scare me.
0: You know what? We
2: didn't swear enough in this episode for that sound effect. Just. Oh, there we go. All right.
0: Thank you guys. Bye guys. you. You want to get a hold of us here on the podcast. You can reach us at Instagram at the fitness geek collective or the Facebook page at The Fitness Geek.